Chapter Three of Laba by Jory Karl Heismans, translated by Keen Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Durtal was in a situation familiar to all bachelors who have the concierge do their cleaning. Only these know how a tiny lamp can fairly drink up oil, and how the contents of a bottle of cognac can become paler and weaker without ever diminishing. They know, too, how a once comfortable bed can become forbidding, and how scrupulously a concierge can respect its least fold or crease. They learn to be resigned and to wash out a glass when they are thirsty and make their own fire when they are cold. Durtal's concierge was an old man with drooping moustache and a powerful breath of three-six. Indolent and placid, he opposed an unbudgeable inertia to Durtal's frantic and profanely expressed demand that the sweeping be done at the same hour every morning. Threats, prayers, insults, the withholding of gratuities, were without effect. Père Rateau took off his cap, scratched his head, promised, in the tone of a man much moved, to mend his ways, and next day came later than ever. What a nuisance, thought Durtal today, as he heard a key turning in the lock. Then he looked at his watch and observed that once again the concierge was arriving after three o'clock in the afternoon. There was nothing for it but to submit with a sigh to the ensuing hullabaloo. Rateau, somnolent and pacific in his lodge, became a demon when he got a broom in his hand. In this sedentary being, who could drowse all morning in the stale basement atmosphere, heavy with the cumulative aroma of many meat stews, a martial ardour, a warlike ferocity, then asserted themselves, and like a red revolutionary he assaulted the bed, charged the chairs, manhandled the picture frames, knocked the tables over, rattled the water pitcher, and whirled Durtal's brogues about by the laces, as when a pillaging conqueror hauls a ravished victim along by the hair. So he stormed the apartment like a barricade, and triumphantly brandished his battle standard, the dust rag, over the reeking carnage of the furniture. Durtal at such times sought refuge in the room which was not being attacked. Today Rateau launched his offensive against the workroom, so Durtal fled to the bedroom. From there, through the half-open door, he could see the enemy, with a feather duster like a Moecan war-bonnet over his head, doing a scalp-dance around a table. "'If only I knew at what time that pest would break in on me, so I could always arrange to be out,' groaned Durtal. Now he ground his teeth as Rateau, with a yell, grabbed up the mop, and, skating around on one leg, belaboured the floor lustily. The perspiring conqueror then appeared in the doorway, and advanced to reduce the chamber where Durtal was. The latter had to return to the subjugated workroom, and the cat, shocked by the racket, arched its back and, rubbing against its master's legs, followed him to a place of safety. In the thick of the conflict, Des Hermies rang the doorbell. "'I'll put on my shoes,' cried Durtal, "'and we'll get out of this. Look!' He passed his hand over the table and brought back a coat of grime that made him appear to be wearing a grey glove. Look! That brute turns the house upside down and knocks everything to pieces, and here's the result. He leaves more dust when he goes than he found when he came in. Bah! said De Hermies. Dust isn't a bad thing. Besides having the taste of ancient biscuit and the smell of an old book, it is the floating velvet which softens hard surfaces the fine dry wash which takes the garishness out of crude colour schemes it is the caparison of abandon the veil of oblivion who then can despise it aside from certain persons whose lamentable lot must often have wrung a tear from you 
imagine living in one of these paris passages think of a consumptive spitting blood and suffocating in a room one flight up behind the asbac gables of say the passage des panorama for instance when the window is open the dust comes in impregnated with snuff and saturated with clammy exudations the invalid choking begs for air and in order that he may breathe the window is closed well the dust that you complain of is rather milder than that anyway i don't hear you coughing but if you're ready we'll be on our way where shall we go asked durtal des hermies did not answer they left the rue du regard in which durtal lived and went down the rue du cherche midi as far as the croix rouge let's go on to the place saint sulpice said des hermies and after a silence he continued speaking of dust out of which we came and to which we shall return do you know that after we are dead our corpses are devoured by different kinds of worms according as we are fat or thin in fat corpses one species of maggot is found the rhizophagus while thin corpses are patronized only by the fora the latter is evidently the aristocrat the fastidious gourmet which turns up its nose at a heavy meal of copious breasts and juicy fat bellies just think there is no perfect equality even in the manner in which we feed the worms but this is where we stop they had come to where the rue ferrou opens into the place saint sulpice durtal looked up and on an unenclosed porch in the flank of the church of saint sulpice he read the placard tower open to visitors let's go up said des hermies what for in this weather and durtal pointed at the yellow sky over which black clouds like factory smoke were racing so low that the tin chimneys seemed to penetrate them and crenellate them with little spots of clarity i am not enthusiastic about trying to climb a flight of broken irregular stairs and anyway what do you think you can see up there it's misty and getting dark no have a heart what difference is it to you where you take your airing come on i assure you you will see something unusual Oh, you brought me here on purpose yes why didn't you say so he followed des hermies into the darkness under the porch at the back of the cellarway a little essence lamp hanging from a nail lighted a door the tower entrance for a long time in utter darkness they climbed a winding stair durtal was wondering where the keeper had gone when turning a corner he saw a shaft of light then he stumbled against the rickety supports of a double current lamp in front of a door des hermies pulled a bell-cord and the door swung back above them on a landing they could see feet whether of a man or of a woman they could not tell ah it's you monsieur des hermies and a woman bent over describing an arc so that her head was in a stream of light louis will be very glad to see you is he in asked des hermies reaching up and shaking hands with the woman he is in the tower won't you stop and rest a minute why when we come down if you don't mind then go up until you see a grated door but what an old fool i am you know the way as well as i do to be sure to be sure but in passing permit me to introduce my friend durtal durtal somewhat flustered made a bow in the darkness ah oh, monsieur how fortunate louis is so anxious to meet you where is he taking me durtal wondered as again he groped along behind his friend now and then just as he felt completely lost coming to the narrow strip of light admitted by a barbican and again proceeding in inky darkness the climb seemed endless 
finally they came to the barred door opened it and found themselves on a frame balcony with the abyss above and below des hermies who seemed perfectly at home pointed downward then upward they were halfway up a tower the face of which was overlaid with enormous criss-crossing joists and beams riveted together with bolt heads as big as a man's fist durtal could see no one he turned and clinging to the handrail groped along the wall toward the daylight which stole down between the inclined leaves of the sounding shutters leaning out over the precipice he discerned beneath him a formidable array of bells hanging from oak supports lined with iron the sombre bell metal was slick as if oiled and absorbed light without refracting it bending backward he looked into the upper abyss and perceived new batteries of bells overhead these bore the raised effigy of a bishop and a place in each worn by the striking of the clapper shone golden all were in quiescence but the wind rattled against the sounding shutters stormed through the cage of timbers howled along the spiral stair and was caught and held whining in the bell vases suddenly a light breeze like the stirring of confined air fanned his cheek he looked up the current had been set in motion by the swaying of a great bell beginning to get under way there was a crash of sound the bell gathered momentum and now the clapper like a gigantic pestle was grinding the great bronze mortar with a deafening clamour the tower trembled the balcony on which durtal was standing trepidated like the floor of a railway coach there was the continuous rolling of a mighty reverberation interrupted regularly by the jar of metal upon metal in vain durtal scanned the upper abyss finally he managed to catch sight of a leg swinging out into space and back again in one of those wooden stirrups two of which he had noticed were fastened to the bottom of every bell leaning out so that he was almost prone on one of the timbers he finally perceived the ringer clinging with his hands to two iron handles and balancing over the gulf with his eyes turned heavenward durtal was shocked by the face never had he seen such disconcerting pallor it was not the waxen hue of the convalescent not the lifeless grey of the perfume or snuff-maker it was a prison pallor of a bloodless lividness unknown to-day the ghastly complexion of a wretch of the middle ages shut up till death in a damp airless pitch-dark in pace the eyes were blue prominent even bulging and had the mystic's readiness to tears but their expression was singularly contradicted by the truculent kaiser wilhelm moustache the man seemed at once a dreamer and a fighter and it would have been difficult to tell which character predominated he gave the bell stirrup a last yank with his foot and with a heave of his loins regained his equilibrium he mopped his brow and smiled down at des hermies well well he said you here he descended and when he learned durtal's name his face brightened and the two shook hands cordially we have been expecting you a long time monsieur our friend here speaks of you at great length and we have been asking him why he didn't bring you around to see us but come he said eagerly i must conduct you on a tour of inspection about my little domain i have read your books and i know a man like you can't help falling in love with my bells but we must go higher if we are really to see them and he bounded up a staircase while des hermies pushed durtal along in front of him in a way that made retreat impossible as he was once more groping along the winding stairs durtal asked why didn't you tell me your friend carré for of course that's who he is was a bell-ringer des hermies did not have time to answer for at that moment having reached the door of the room beneath the tower roof 
Carhaix was standing aside to let them pass. They were in a rotunda pierced in the centre by a great circular hole which had around it a corroded iron balustrade orange with rust. By standing close to the railing, which was like the well curb of the pit, one could see down, down to the foundation. The well seemed to be undergoing repairs, and from the top to the bottom of the tube the beams supporting the bells were criss-crossed with timbers bracing the walls. "'Don't be afraid to lean over,' said Carré. "'Now tell me, monsieur, how do you like my foster-children?' But Durtal was hardly heeding. He felt uneasy here in space, and as if drawn toward the gaping chasm whence ascended, from time to time, the desultory clanging of the bell, which was still swaying and would be some time in returning to immobility. He recoiled. "'Wouldn't you like to pay a visit to the top of the tower?' asked Carré, pointing to an iron stair sealed into the wall. "'No, another day.' They descended, and Carré, in silence, opened a door. They advanced into an immense storeroom, containing colossal broken statues of saints, scaly and dilapidated apostles, St. Matthew, legless and armless, St. Luke escorted by a fragmentary ox, St. Mark lacking a shoulder and part of his beard, St. Peter holding up an arm from which the hand holding the keys was broken off. "'There used to be a swing in here,' said Carré, "'for the little girls of the neighbourhood, "'but the privilege was abused, as privileges always are. "'In the dusk all kinds of things were done for a few sous. "'The curate finally had the swing taken down "'and the room closed up.' "'And what is that over there?' inquired Durtal, perceiving in a corner an enormous fragment of rounded metal, like half a gigantic skull-cap. On it the dust lay thick, and in the hollow the meshes on meshes of fine silken web, dotted with the black bodies of lurking spiders, were like a fisherman's hand-net weighted with little slugs of lead. "'That—ah, monsieur!' and there was fire in Carré's mild eyes— that is the skull of an old, old bell, whose like is not cast these days. The ring of that bell, monsieur, was like a voice from heaven. And suddenly he exploded. Bells have had their day, as I suppose Des Hermies has told you. Bell ringing is a lost art, and why wouldn't it be? Look at the men who are doing it nowadays. Charcoal burners, roofers, masons out of a job, discharged firemen, ready to try their hand at anything for a franc. There are curates who think nothing of saying, Need a man? Go out in the street and pick up a soldier for ten sous. He'll do. That's why you read about accidents like the one that happened lately at Notre Dame, I think. The fellow didn't withdraw in time, and the bell came down like the blade of a guillotine and whacked his leg right off. People will spend thirty thousand francs on an altar baldachin and ruin themselves for music, and they have to have gas in their churches, and Lord knows what all besides. But when you mention bells, they shrug their shoulders. Do you know, Monsieur Durtal, there are only two men in Paris who can ring chords? Myself and Père Michel, and he is not married, and his morals are so bad that he can't be regularly attached to a church. He can ring music the like of which you never heard, but he, too, is losing interest. He drinks, and, drunk or sober, goes to work, then he bowls up again and goes to sleep. Yes, the bell has had its day. Why, this very morning Monsignor made his pastoral visit to this church. At eight o'clock we sounded his arrival. The six bells you see down here boomed out melodiously. But there were sixteen up above, and it was a shame. Those extras jangled away haphazard. It was a riot of discord. Carré ruminated in silence as they descended. Then, 
ah monsieur he said his watery eyes fairly bubbling the ring of bells there's your real sacred music they were now above the main door of the building and they came out into the great covered gallery on which the towers rest Carré smiled and pointed out a complete peal of miniature bells installed between two pillars on a plank he pulled the cords and in ecstasies his eyes protruding his moustache bristling he listened to the frail tinkling of his toy and suddenly he relinquished the cords i once had a crazy idea he said of forming a class here and teaching all the intricacies of the craft but no one cared to learn a trade which was steadily going out of existence why you know we don't even sound for weddings any more and nobody comes to look at the tower but i really can't complain i hate the streets when i try to cross one i lose my head so i stay in the tower all day except once in the early morning when i go to the other side of the square for a bucket of water now my wife doesn't like it up here you see the snow does come in through all the loopholes and it heaps up and sometimes we are snowbound with the wind blowing a gale they had come to carre's lodge his wife was waiting for them on the threshold come in gentlemen she said you have certainly earned some refreshment and she pointed to four glasses which she had set out on the table the bell-ringer lighted a little briar-pipe while des hermies and durtal each rolled a cigarette pretty comfortable place remarked durtal just to be saying something it was a vast room vaulted with walls of rough stone and lighted by a semicircular window just under the ceiling the tiled floor was badly covered by an infamous carpet and the furniture very simple consisted of a round dining-room table some old bergere armchairs covered with slate-blue utrecht velours a little stained walnut sideboard on which were several plates and pictures of breton faience and opposite the sideboard a little black bookcase which might contain fifty books of course a literary man would be interested in the books said carre who had been watching durtal you mustn't be too critical monsieur i have only the tools of my trade durtal went over and took a look the collection consisted largely of works on bells he read some of the titles on the cover of a slim parchment volume he deciphered the faded legend handwritten in rust-coloured ink de tintinabulis by jerome magius sixteen sixty four then pell-mell there were a curious and edifying miscellany concerning church bells by dombremy carré another edifying miscellany anonymous a treatise of bells by jean-baptiste thiers curate of champron and vibreille a ponderous tome by an architect named blavignac a smaller work entitled essay on the symbolism of bells by a parish priest of poitiers a notice by the abbe barreau then a whole series of brochures with covers of grey paper bearing no titles it's no collection at all said carre with a sigh the best ones are wanting the de campanis commentarius of angelo rocca and the de tintinabulo of Persichelius. but they are so hard to find and so expensive when you do find them a glance sufficed for the rest of the books most of them being pious works latin and french bibles an imitation of christ gerus's mystic in five volumes the abbe aubert's history and theory of religious symbolism pluquet's dictionary of heresies and several lives of saints ah monsieur my own books are not much account but des hermies lends me what he knows will interest me don't talk so much said his wife give monsieur a chance to sit down and she handed durtal a brimming glass aromatic with the acidulous perfume of genuine cider 
in response to his compliments she told him that the cider came from brittany and was made by relatives of hers at lens des venec her and carre's native village she was delighted when durtal affirmed that long ago he had spent a day in lens des venec why then we know each other already she said shaking hands with him again the room was heated to suffocation by a stove whose pipe zigzagged over to the window and out through a sheet-iron square nailed to the sash in place of one of the panes carre and his good wife with her honest weak face and frank kind eyes were the most restful of people durtal made drowsy by the warmth and the quiet domesticity let his thoughts wander he said to himself if i had a place like this above the roofs of paris i would fix it up and make of it a real haven of refuge here in the clouds alone and aloof i would work away on my book and take my time about it years perhaps what inconceivable happiness it would be to escape from the age and while the waves of human folly were breaking against the foot of the tower to sit up here out of it all and pore over antique tomes by the shaded light of the lamp he smiled at the naivete of his daydream i certainly do like your place he said aloud as if to sum up his reflections oh you wouldn't if you had to live here said the good wife we have plenty of room too much room because there are a couple of bedchambers as big as this besides plenty of closet space but it's so inconvenient and so cold and no kitchen and she pointed to a landing where blocking the stairway the cook-stove had had to be installed and there are so many many steps to go up when you come back from market i am getting old and i have a twinge of the rheumatics whenever i think about making the climb you can't even drive a nail into this rock wall and have a peg to hang things on said carre but i like this place i was made for it now my wife dreams constantly of spending her last days in landevenec des hermies rose all shook hands and monsieur and madame made durtal swear that he would come again what refreshing people exclaimed durtal as he and des hermies crossed the square and carre is a mine of information but tell me what the devil is an educated man of no ordinary intelligence doing working as a as a day labourer if carre could hear you but my friend in the middle ages bell ringers were high officials true the craft has declined considerably in modern times i couldn't tell you myself how carre became hipped on the subject of bells all i know is that he studied at a seminary in brittany that he had scruples of conscience and considered himself unworthy to enter the priesthood that he came to paris and apprenticed himself to a very intellectual master bell-ringer Père gilbert who had in his cell at notre dame some ancient and of course unique plans of paris that would make your mouth water gilbert wasn't a labourer either he was an enthusiastic collector of documents relating to old paris from notre dame carre came to saint sulpice fifteen years ago and has been there ever since how did you happen to make his acquaintance first he was my patient then my friend i've known him ten years funny he doesn't look like a seminary product most of them have the shuffling gait and sheepish air of an old gardener carre will be all right for a few more years said des hermies as if to himself and then let us mercifully wish him a speedy death the church which has begun by sanctioning the introduction of gas into the chapels will end by installing mechanical chimes instead of bells that will be charming the machinery will be run by electricity and we shall have real up-to-date timbreless protestant peals 
then carre's wife will have a chance to go back to finistere no they are too poor and then too carre would be broken-hearted if he lost his bells curious a man's affection for the object that he manipulates the mechanic's love for his machine the thing that one tends and that obeys one becomes personalized and one ends by falling in love with it and the bell is an instrument in a class of its own it is baptized like a christian anointed with sacramental oil and according to the pontifical rubric it is also to be sanctified in the interior of its chalice by a bishop in seven cruciform unctions with the oil of the infirm that it may send to the dying the message which shall sustain them in their last agonies it is the herald of the church the voice from without as the priest is the voice from within so you see it isn't a mere piece of bronze a reversed mortar to be swung at a rope's end add that bells like fine wines ripen with age that their tone becomes more ample and mellow that they lose their sharp bouquet their raw flavour that will explain imperfectly how one can become attached to them why you seem to be an enthusiast yourself oh i don't know anything about it i am simply repeating what i have heard carre say if the subject interests you he will be only too glad to teach you the symbolism of bells he is inexhaustible the man is a monomaniac i can understand said durtal dreamily i live in a quarter where there are a good many convents and at dawn the air is a tingle with the vibrance of the chimes when i was ill i used to lie awake at night awaiting the sound of the matin bells and welcoming them as a deliverance in the grey light i felt that i was being cuddled by a distant and secret caress that a lullaby was crooned over me and a cool hand applied to my burning forehead i had the assurance that the folk who were awake were praying for the others and consequently for me i felt less lonely i really believe the bells are sounded for the special benefit of the sick who cannot sleep the bells ring for others notably for the troublemakers the rather common inscription for the side of a bell paco cruentos i pacify the bloody-minded is singularly apt when you think it over this conversation was still haunting durtal when he went to bed carre's phrase the ring of the bells is the real sacred music took hold of him like an obsession and drifting back through the centuries he saw in dream the slow processional of monks and the kneeling congregations responding to the call of the angelus and drinking in the balm of holy sound as if it were consecrated wine all the details he had ever known of the liturgies of ages came crowding into his mind he could hear the sound of matin invitatories chimes telling a rosary of harmony over tortuous labyrinths of narrow streets over cornet towers over pepper-box pignons over dentilated walls the chimes chanting the canonical hours prime and tierce sexte and nonne vespers and compline celebrating the joy of a city with the tinkling laughter of the little bells tolling its sorrow with the ponderous lamentation of the great ones and there were master ringers in those times makers of chords who could send into the air the expression of the whole soul of a community and the bells which they served as submissive sons and faithful deacons were as humble and as truly of the people as was the church itself as the priest at certain times put off his chasuble so the bell at times had put off its sacred character and spoken to the baptized on fair day and market day inviting them in the event of rain to settle their affairs inside the nave of the church and that the sanctity of the place might not be violated by the conflicts arising from sharp bargaining imposing upon them a probity unknown before or since 
today bells spoke an obsolete language incomprehensible to man carre was under no misapprehension living in an aerial tomb outside the human scramble he was faithful to his art and in consequence no longer had any reason for existing he vegetated superfluous and demoded in a society which insisted that for its amusement the holy place be turned into a concert hall he was like a creature reverted a relic of a bygone age and he was supremely contemptuous of the miserable fin de siècle church showmen who to draw fashionable audiences did not fear to offer the attraction of cavatinas and waltzes rendered on the cathedral organ by manufacturers of profane music by ballet mongers and comic opera rites poor carré said durtal as he blew out the candle another who loves this epoch about as well as des hermies and i do but he has the tutelage of his bells and certainly among his wards he has his favourite he is not to be pitied he has his hobby which renders life possible for him as hobbies do End of chapter three